Are you struggling to believe that there is a purpose for your life? That after all you've been through, seen or done, that there's a chance you'll ever find peace and wholeness again? Welcome to love and be loved. This podcast explores what matters to us the most. Overcoming adversity, success stories on relationships with God, ourselves and others. Now here is your host, Lena Sibula. I'm so glad to have you listening today. My aim is to encourage, inspire, and give you hope by sharing my story. Be sure to check show notes, subscribe, rate, and share with others who need to hear about forgiveness and second chances. Welcome to episode number one called Miraculous, my journey from hell to heaven, just like my book. Through this podcast, I want to show you that your past is not your prison and you can thrive after everything you went through. A few years ago, God clearly put it on my heart to write a book about miracles of God in my life. I got so scared and I cried for three days because I never could imagine that after 20 years of silence, this is what I will be doing publicly. And I hope and pray my accent wouldn't be a hindrance for you to hear this message. Before the wedding, I wrote the letter to my boyfriend. I want to be honest with him. I want him to make a choice to marry me or to walk away. And I would understand. He never read that letter. He said, your past is between you and God. I love you for who you are now. Out of fear, I kept asking myself, why do I have to do this now? I have this carefully crafted persona that people perceive me by. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a business owner, I'm happy and bubbly. Why do I have to tell them who I really am? Then I realized that every time somebody asking me, where did you come from? Why did you come to Canada? I was actually lying. And I don't want to be lying, Christian. When I started writing my manuscript, I realized how much my perspective changed. I don't feel sad or bad about anything that happened before. I don't feel shame. I cry so much, but not because of the pain, but because of God's faithfulness to me. It took me three months to write good part of my story and another three years to write the difficult part. But it was very interesting process, amazing process. It was like therapy between me and God. And I saw my past from the different perspective from where I am now, healed, redeemed, loved, and forgiven. And I'm wife and mother, so I have compassion for my mother and for my family as well because I don't know what kind of woman I would be without my God, my husband, my community and convenience of my lifestyle. I feel sad that my parents didn't have a good marriage and failed in life and failed in parenting but they did what they could with what they have. And it's hard to give love to someone when you don't have it yourself. Nothing I can do about this. Nothing I can do 
to change it. So I just forgive them and forgive myself. I was born and raised in USSR. Lots of people have different opinions about communism and the structure of the country in general. What I remember, it was order. Because when Ukraine separated with Russia, it was chaos. People lost jobs, inflation took all our savings, people were committing suicide, and alcoholism was on the rise, while corruption tearing the country apart. My family fell apart as well. I knew something was wrong already for a while, because sometimes my dad didn't come home at night, and my mom have a big black eye that she lied about. I knew it wasn't perfect, but I knew it was nothing unusual for that time. I didn't know how bad it really was because my parents were great at hiding. And then one day, they just quit their well-paid jobs and became an alcoholics. The government turned off the hot water, electricity for outstanding bills, and our home been infested with mice, cockroaches, and mold. And it was always full of strangers. It was hard pill to swallow because I felt responsible not only for myself, but for my brother and sister. Sometimes my parents disappear for months at a time and I was struggling to continue school and still provide for my siblings. This lifestyle affected my life and my studies. Up to this point, I was a straight A student. I want to be a police officer. I really love the uniform and authority that it imposed. Then, most of the time, I didn't want to go to school. I was so embarrassed. My clothes was so dirty and stinky and mad a million times because nobody bought me clothes anymore. I had lice. And sometimes my mother just shaved my head or put the gasoline in it later on when I got older to kill the lice. But I was stinky for days and everybody knew why I smelled this way. I was sad. Then I was mad. I envied those kids who has parents and love and support. I was very smart and sensitive kid, and I got hurt. My heart was broken, and I was bullied. And then I realized I don't want to be a victim. So to protect myself, I became a bully. I hit first, so nobody can hit me. Then I start smoking and drinking and swearing, exactly what my parents was doing at home. I lost my virginity very early. I wasn't even 14 years old. I did it just because my friend did it, and it was gross. And when she told her mother, her mother was very, very angry. When I told my mother, she said, well, one day it would happen anyway. So I never been taught that my body is secret and precious, and I should wait until marriage to give myself to someone. But that was the age I was living. 
Nobody was really married around me. People live as a common law. Make, make sure that you pay the taxes to the government so your husband and wife. The kids were born without marriage and fathers usually walk away because they married very young, get pregnant very young. So all those kids usually has no father or somebody else as a father. My house always been full of people. They drank, they smoked, they did drugs, and my door was open day or night. It was loud and, and crazy and fights and everything. The young guys were flirting with me usually, and the old farts shamelessly hitting on me. I became a target at a very young age. Sometimes I was drugged in the basement of our apartment and raped. The craziest part that my father didn't do anything about it. And one day he even told them, just take her as long as you don't bother me. That day I hated him so much. He was weak man and I was ashamed that he was my father. Government didn't do anything either. I went to police. And they saw my address, knew who I was, and said that was my own fault. When I thought the things couldn't get any worse, I woke up with really bad abdominal pain. I thought I gonna die. It was so much pain. My mother finally realized that something wrong and took me to the clinic where it was discovered that I'm in labor and I was shocked and confused because I knew to have a baby you have to be pregnant. I didn't know I was pregnant. I didn't know who her father was. I was starving, skinny, little kid and I have no idea what was going on. I thought it was a joke or I don't know. The doctor confirmed that I'm having a baby and they called the ambulance to take me to the hospital. At the hospital, doctor was really disgusted with me. And this time he was calling my mother as well. And she didn't take it. So she just left me. Left me alone with strangers. I, I was in so much pain. I just followed the instructions without arguing because I wanted to stop. My labor was intense but quick. And I was so shocked that my starving um, body would produce something pure like that little baby girl. She was on the table right beside me and she was wiggling and making noises. And she was so tiny and so pink. But I knew something was wrong because I didn't take care of myself. I was drinking and doing drugs. I knew it will affect her health. When pediatrician count her fingers and toes, everything was fine there. But she told me we have to get appointment with the head of the hospital to review our options. She had the health complications that I couldn't take her home. My mother came for that appointment and she clearly said to me that I'm not bringing this baby home. She told me who gonna take care of her. You, I had nowhere to go. I was lost and broken. I was 
okay with my own pain and shame but this brought new level of anxiety and fear and condemnation i felt so responsible for that little baby's life i didn't want to be like my mother i didn't want to abandon my child but there was no other option she's she had to stay at the hospital to be taken care of but before this would happen i have to refuse my parental rights so i have to give her a name and say that i don't want her and it broke my heart because i did want her i have to stay in the hospital for seven days after the labor my sister came to me crying saying just take her home we will take care of her but i knew that it was, wouldn't be possible. The ladies in the room were kind to me. They were laughing and chatting over their little babies about how long their husband wanted this child and how grateful the mother-in-law that it's baby girl. While I was suffering, staring at the wall, I cried so much. They helped me to prep my breast so it would stop producing milk. And they helped me to feed me and take care of me because no one really came to support me. When I was discharged, my little brother came after a few hours saying that my mother couldn't come. I tag alone, just talking about our daily life like nothing happened. My mother had a big black eye. She was hangover. That's why she couldn't get me from the hospital. I was heartbroken. I started using heavier drugs to just numb my pain. My daughter passed away three months later from her health complications. The people were getting ready for Christmas and New Year and I was bearing my child. When I came to pick her up at the morgue, the guy said to me like, why are you spending all this money buying the casket and the place? Just put her in the shoebox and just bury her. But I felt like I own her that casket and the clothes. I borrowed the money from all of my friends and I have a couple people to help me to dig the hole in that frozen ground. I carried that little casket in my arms all the way to the cemetery. And then I carried that casket in my mind for the next 20 years. It was very painful and I couldn't get over it. I started using heroin because I needed to just stop my brain from thinking, from blaming myself, from trying to find a different scenario in a different time in life. She would be alive and healthy and she would have a father and we would have a happy family and so on. I was so much pain there and fear and anxiety and I started having panic attacks I needed drugs. I needed drugs to survive. I started using heroin and days became months and months became years. Three years later, I realized I cannot do this anymore. I saw people dying around me or going to jail. And I was really afraid. I want a way out. But there was no way out. I had no chance or opportunity to do anything anywhere until one of my friends introduced me to a rich-looking woman and she said she's gonna help. She brought me to her house, she offered me coffee and sweets and I was overwhelmed 
with her wealth. She said she can find me a job, no specific, just a job. But I felt like it's an opportunity. And I was eager to escape, so I said yes. So they helped me to get traveling documents. They brought me to hair salon. They did my hair, makeup. They put fancy fur coat on me and sent me to Israeli embassy. And they asked me to lie. I was really surprised and I was wondering what kind of job I have to be doing. But I just followed the instructions because there was nothing else I can do with my life to make a change. And I felt this is the change. But I guess I wasn't convincing because my visa was denied. Her team was very angry. But they say they have another way to get me there. And I just said, all right. I don't remember ride to airport. I don't remember the flight itself. I still was heavy on drugs. I don't remember how I got through customs. Just one day I woke up and I heard Muslim prayer. Allahu Akbar run out. I didn't know where I was. I was wearing boots and jeans and plaid shirt because it was winter in my country. But I look outside and it was sunny summer day. And there was clementine oranges growing on the street. And it was so different. So I realized I wasn't in my country anymore. And I was very, very hot. But then I was sweating because I needed a dose. And I realized that I'm not going to have the drugs anymore. And I'm going to enter withdrawals. You know, lots of people don't quit drugs. Not because they don't want to. But because quitting, it's painful. All your body is hurt. And... Sometimes the organs just shut down and you die because body is so used to being on drugs. And one week you have an imagine stomach flu and the labor pains mixed together. And sometimes body give up. But I survived. I quit cold turkey. But I think being in a new surroundings, I was excited too. I still didn't understand what was going on. I have two guides with me and few other girls from my city as well. And I learned that I was in Cairo, Egypt. And it was my dream since I was a kid. I was reading about Cleopatra. I know all about Pharaohs and Nile and Egypt and pyramids. And it was fascinating because from... This place that I came from, I would never be able to travel overseas and see something like so amazing. So I was explorer in my heart and it was amazing. I was walking in the Red Sea. I ate in amazing restaurants and it was just good. And it was very cool to be clean for the first time in my life. But then next day police raided our hotel and kept asking us if we are part of the human trafficking trade. We've been given a story that we stuck to it and we were let go. Our guides were kind of upset because we were behind the schedule, but they say they still have a way. They brought us to, to the desert and left us with two scary Arabs. Then I realized 
that I'm in trouble. Then I realized that I've been sold in human trafficking. We have to stay in a tent very close to Israeli border. Then they forced us to crawl under the barbed wire in the middle of the night and then sold us to Israel brothel. Well, we're gonna stop here because there's gonna be so much more in the next episode. And remember, you're never alone. You are loved. You got treasure, precious and priceless to him. Thank you for listening to Love and Be Loved. If you have any questions about what you heard today, visit lovedandbeloved.com. It's love and the letter B with no E, loved.com. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and share the show. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you'd like to connect, we would love to hear from you. So send a quick note to lenasabula at gmail.com. Stay healthy, stay safe, love, and be loved.